Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglies.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. Hello, Charles Marshall here again with uh, Bill Padalo, who will be breaking down some crazy happenings in the uh, foreclosure world. And as I previewed in my presentation online about this earlier today, the inevitable happens, criminal use of Cal foreclosure law to steal title. And yes, I would say that this Start of events was and is inevitable. And, of course, this isn't the first happenstance where what amounts to a criminal enterprise comes in and literally misuses the nonjudicial foreclosure process in California and elsewhere to essentially create a laundered title that then serves as a basis for uh, non-judicial foreclosure sale and or uh, going straight to a trustee's deed upon sale. A trustee's deed upon sale, of course, is the ultimate laundering uh, because with that, you can get a sheriff's order, typically, to enforce rights against the property. And this will be our topic today. I will be, uh, in fact, Bill himself will be uh, really the presenter on this information of how this has even creeped into judicial foreclosure districts. Uh, This operation uh, is even operating, I believe, out of Florida at one time. And uh, I will say, I'm not going to call this a disclaimer so much as a caveat. Um, I think it's important to relate that at least as to the criminal proceedings There is not any um, outstanding finding of guilt or judgment that I know of at this point. In fact, I encourage the listeners to go on to Neil's blog and otherwise get information about this case. And the short title for the case is Nation Star versus Patrick Joseph Soria. And I do uh, emphasize again that even as a civil matter, as far as I know, that matter is still pending. Uh, I don't make it a point, and I think that the big institutional players are also big and also robust and also fully in the public arena that I have no issues sometimes making declaratory statements about them on specific events that may or may not be 
100% vetted all the way through an appeal, for instance, regarding a certain legal proceeding. When I'm discussing individuals, I think uh, there is a, uh, a deference that should accord there, and I will try to be on that today regardless. This is an information show as a reminder. We're not giving any legal advice. We're not making any legal declarations about the defendants in this case. We're simply presenting information and to the extent that we reference documents, everything is available in the public domain. All of these lawsuits are publicly available and can be referenced through various media and medium. Uh, so with that out of the way, I will let everyone know, as I always do, that I am broadcasting live, and per usual, I'm broadcasting live from San Diego, and I present this West Coast foreclosure show typically every other week, every other Thursday. Uh, Neil will be back next Thursday, and this show is brought to you by GTC Honors, Living Lies, and LendingLies.com. It is made possible specifically because of donations from listeners like you. And as always, Neil and I thank you for any amount that you're able to donate. And it is always appreciated. And you are able to donate directly by selecting the donate button on the blog at www.livinglies.wordpress.com. So I'm going to have Bill come in right now and start discussing this important legal case. And for that matter, uh, dare I say the word legal trend, I'm not sure that that's quite warranted yet, but this is hardly the first time we've seen this type of situation. And given the nationwide scope, which in my own write-up about this matter today, I did not reference a nationwide scope, but there is a nationwide scope to this specific set of defendants, these specific actions and activities. And as disturbing as it is in the, judici the non-judicial foreclosure context, it even has shown up in the judicial foreclosure states. So Bill, why don't you uh, weigh in now with your take on this uh, entire uh, set of disturbing events? Well, thanks, Charles. Uh, good to be here as always. You make a good point uh, in, in talking about this particular case, which um, one of many servicers, this one has Nation Star going up against Patrick Soria and a number of other defendants that either he's associated with or are part of this uh, particular scheme that's being alleged. And I also want to let the listeners know that I don't have any personal knowledge of that actual case um, against Soria and these defendants. Um, the reason why... <clears throat> Um, we're talking about this issue, and um, I intend to uh, finish up a post that I'm going to uh, put on, on the blog, um, is, is to not only warn people of what's going on, um, because there's a lot of red flags and a lot of serious things that, um, uh, from, from my chair and my experience, um, I can see uh, developing into a much bigger problem um, across the board in terms of the theft of people's title, um, but 
the the reason I, I guess the reason why I'm coming into this is that I, when I wrote this article uh, about a month or so ago, and we touched upon it on a previous show, and and we didn't have enough time to finish on it. Um, and we were talking about Deutsche Bank uh, going after some of these alter ego corporations with Soria or whatnot. Um, I've been getting uh, lots of emails and communication from contacts throughout the country, and I've been also coming into cases now where uh, people's title is now being affected by uh, this particular scheme. So I'm kind of looking at uh, the issues here from the perspective of uh, dealing personally on some cases with individuals where I'm now seeing how uh, uh, how this scheme is coming in and putting and, and you know tying the the whole title up into knots, whether it's in a, a judicial setting like Florida or non-judicial or whatever, it's causing fits uh, with um, the, the whole uh, uh, issue as, as, as to who, who owns what and who's entitled and all that sort of thing. So it's causing a, a lot of headaches out there. But um, this isn't necessarily a isolated California uh, scheme here. This is a, a scheme I'm seeing in states all across the country now. Um, and when you when I say Florida, I even have a judicial case where uh, these parties came in during the litigation and interjected themselves uh, in the title, um, and that's you know not coming into court, but in the midst of uh, this court case, I, I go in to pull title records, and unbeknownst to people, there's been a new filing with a new mortgagee in the public records, which is you know parties involved in the scheme. So now that again, throws this wrench in the spokes of the, the litigation that's currently going on in the case, and now everybody's got to get to the bottom of sorting through all of this stuff. So um, what's important to note is there's a long laundry list of defendants here, and I think probably uh, through uh, purposeful intent, they use a lot of names for these defendants that are closely related or similar to <clears throat> a lot of uh names that people may recognize uh, from Wall Street or whatever. So, for example, they use Deutsche Mellon National Asset. You know, they use two names uh, that are, you know, commonly used with uh, Bank of New York Mellon or Deutsche Bank, or they come in and use uh, HSBC US and Christiana Wilmington Global Asset and lots of names where, you know, people at first glance uh, they may look official, and they may look like it's a, a national banking organization or something of that effect. And um, in reality, it's uh, uh, it's just another one of these straw sham entities that they're using for this um, scheme. But uh, anyhow, I think the real <clears throat> um, problem, and, and there's a correlation, a danger that I saw, and this is why I wanted to talk about this today, and that's why I asked you and Neil about whether this would be a good subject or not, is that... <clears throat> And I don't know the answer to this, and that's why we ask the listeners if they have any information on the progress of, of any type of criminal prosecution by um, county attorneys or law enforcement, Department of Justice, FBI, uh, regarding some of these defendants, and if any of those types of um, events are proceeding or occurring, because from what I'm hearing, and I can't you know, confirm much of this, I'm just talking about what I'm seeing coming across my radar screen here is people are telling me through the grapevine through sources that there has not been any sort of um, criminal investigation or prosecution of these individuals yet um, 
to the point where they've been arraigned or they've been arrested or anything of that nature. And that really comes as a, as a surprise to me because of the accusations that are being made here is that they are hijacking title, executing trustees deeds, liquidating properties uh, in this scheme. And you're talking, you know, potentially millions of dollars. Um, uh, and there's, hasn't been any arrests and what's kind of jumped out to me, and this is what uh, doesn't you know, is, is making me very curious here, is, and I go back to my law enforcement uh, background here and looking at it from the law enforcement side of the fence, the criminal side of the fence, is that in order to me, anyhow, if someone were to come in as a victim and say that they've been harmed financially or in some way and they wanted to file a report and have it investigated criminally, um, I have to have a victim. I have to have somebody who um, can actually prove that they're the person who uh, has been harmed by this act or this offense. And what I find peculiar is that if, if no victim really has come forth um, to, to file the complaint and to allege the, the, the harm and to show the harm, um, it would seem logical that, that the prosecutors or, public, uh, or the um, uh, Department of Justice or the district attorneys or whomever, they couldn't bring charges um, and follow through if they don't have an identifiable uh, victim. And so... That to me is a curious thing, is is to finding out why, you know, if if these parties, um, the servicers, Nation Star, Deutsche Bank, or whatever, if they've actually can show that they've been harmed and prove that they've been harmed, showing you know the 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 money, the financial stake that's out on the investors or whatever, um, I I, I want to see, uh, I'm curious to see as to one why they haven't come forward, and two if they have come forward, then I'm really curious to see. Um, how they could make those accusations effectively enough to bring a prosecution. So that's that's one area that I think is really interesting. Um, the other is, and this is why I think my prediction here is we're going to start seeing many, many more of these types of schemes, is because let's take, for example, the Equifax data breach that occurred. Um, that Equifax data breach of people's credit reports, all that in private information, which has their names, addresses, and of course all of their mortgage history uh, being reported in those reports um, that are going to show if they're in any sort of delinquency status uh, or coming up into the delinquency status. There was 143 million Americans affected by that data breach. And so if that information is out there circulating, and from what I'm seeing, um, and even in this scheme, they, uh, the parties to the scheme are advertising that they have access to this information. And uh, even in the receiver's report, there was a temporary receiver that was uh, ordered by the court to come in to take over all of the assets of these defendant entities. The receiver comes back with a report and says that, you know, finds a lot of disturbing information when they started raiding addresses and and whatnot, and serving uh, warrants on these addresses, and they found, uh, you know, all kinds of records of, uh, um, you know, 
them, them utilizing uh, promissory notes and mortgages and bank statements of servicer statements and all these sorts of things that they obviously have access to. And, and so when I talk about, like, for example, this Equifax data breach, if you're talking 143 million Americans, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's information now that's available out there to, on, on millions of loans that may be in the late stages of a def- early stages of default, late stages of default or whatever, that if someone has access to that information, all they have to do is exactly what they're doing in this scam. They just create up, trump up some documents, especially in the non-judicial states, go in, file, record, and off they go. And so now we're at this point, and I'm very curious, and I want your take on this, is that if we find out that there are ultimately no prosecutions coming from victims on the bank side of the fence, um, then I think that there's a direct correlation to uh, how that equates in a, in a civil matter, for example, in these foreclosure cases to Article Three standing and lack of jurisdiction. It's the same thing. If you don't have a victim on the criminal side who can prosecute, then it kind of paints the picture and shows that they're going to have the same difficulty coming forth in a civil matter to show that they have standing or they've been harmed. If, you, if, we, if we're dealing with, and as we've been talking about, um, unidentifiable investors the money trail is not traceable we can't figure out who's at the other end of the stick in terms of who's owed the money in the money trail if that can't be determined uh, this is a real interesting way to flesh this out as i see it unfolding here in this type of a case what do you think charles well i think one one quick uh Informational regarding the the, the criminal uh, charges, whether they're pending or not. I mean, there there are some articles, and again, I'm not endorsing these articles. I'm not claiming they're truthful or not. Like me, those articles are are simply retailing what they have in terms of what's available in the public domain. And apparently there is an indication that uh, some of the defendants, maybe just the principal one in this whole scheme, that there's a case in county case, well, state criminal prosecution in the county of San Joaquin in Northern California. I mean, I saw information indicating that was going to trial actually this past summer, and I, again, I would, uh, and I petition the audience now to see uh, if they know, or maybe they might know somebody who could find out whether or not uh, there are any ongoing criminal prosecutions. It certainly sound, sounded like the San Joaquin one was pending. The Los Angeles County criminal matter, the only information I have on that indicates that it was at the investigation stage. And just to go back to your point, Bill, it sounds like you were getting a lot of people communicating with you, indicating they were under the impression there there wasn't any criminal matter moving forward against the defendants. I think it would be very useful to find out what happened with the San Joaquin case, if that was a bona fide case, if it actually went to trial, what the result of trial was, Certainly, it couldn't have gone to trial without arrest. So there would have been some uh, arrest in that case, whoever ended up 
as a full defendant and named defendant in the case. Outside of that, though, yes, this all could still be at the investigation stage. We don't know. I will say that it appears that a lot of the underlying activity stems only from 2017. So this is not a years-long scheme. This is not a years-long series of events that led to the current civil and possibly criminal litigation that's outstanding right now. And to your point on kind of who's, who's got the wherewithal to come forward to show harm here, it, it is absolutely notable, and I think you are right to note, that the investors, just as they are virtually invisible and silent, in all the civil litigation back and forth involving institutional trust and servicers all around the country be be the uh, subject property under discussion, one subject to a non-judicial foreclosure as here in California or a judicial one as in New York or Florida. Regardless, it's the servicers again who show up in these cases. It's the servicers that are suing these particular defendants. That Nation Star case that uh, I think it would behoove listeners to look into more specifically, it does clearly show that there's a colorable interest on the part of, of, of Nation Star. What's interesting is that, of course, in criminal court, the burden of proof is a lot higher, reasonable doubt. And it would be important to know whether these servicers, such as NationStar, are showing up in many criminal proceedings, if those criminal proceedings are actually moving forward. Again, one important point of follow-up here is the San Joaquin case. Who are the complainants in that case? Because the burden of proof on NationStar to show harm and to show even that they're quote-unquote a victim to to the scheme would require them to show that they really are fully connected to the harm and to the chain of events. Now, of course, in civil court, the burden is just, you know, a theoretical more than half, more likely than not, that all the elements to be proved related to the civil case are there. Of course, one of those elements would be standing on the part of Nation Star, harm to Nation Star. And as we know, and as I do tire of pointing out, uh, unfortunately it's necessary to continue to do so, California judges in particular seem all too ready to sign off on these servicers' version of events. So even when they from our point of view often, even when they're not able to come into court and really show and prove that they're the holder in due course or they're the servicer who's taken an assignment from the holder in due course, that nevertheless judges will sign off on their status and treat them as bona fide fide holders of the note, bona fide assignees with the power to enforce the terms of the note, which 
again in well, California. And yeah, and, so forth. And, we, and we know that that goes on, but it's coincidental, you know, when you say that this is relatively recent, started after 17, well, that's, I'm not saying that this is a direct result of Just an Equifax breach, but the Equifax breach was in 17. Um, right. But going back when I was talking about my law enforcement days, I mean, if someone came in to me and said, listen, um, I have a power of attorney on behalf of my friend um, who just got robbed and uh, somebody came and stuck a gun to their head and robbed them of $100. Uh, I want to press charges. Well, I mean, I, clearly I, you know, I can't take, uh, file a complaint on behalf of an agent of a victim. I need to know who the victim is. That victim ultimately has to come forward and show that, that uh, and, and attest to their harm and so on and so forth. And so, uh, again, hammering this again from, from my, my perspective here is that, and I don't condone any of this behavior whatsoever, but hypothetically, if, if I were a defense attorney uh, representing, let's say, Patrick Sawyer or some of these defendants, I mean, I would have a field day to say, listen, okay, you're going to accuse me of doing uh, some, some, some of this crime and that you've been harmed. All right, now I'm really going to dig in and get to the bottom and ask the, the, the questions to have them prove beyond a reasonable doubt to, to, to show their harm. I mean, that's what we've been doing on the civil side of this stuff forever, to which they can't provide that. So I would... Uh, uh, be very interesting, interesting to see how a defense attorney would 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 handle this, um, is if their um, defendant here is is facing time in jail and their do you know their civil rights are in jeopardy. You know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean, and that's a that's a very excellent point. And again, I come back to the San Joaquin case, and frankly, any other case that uh, our resourceful li- listeners. Uh, might dig up around the country related to these defendants, any criminal case, uh, we will bring the details of that if someone brings us the information related to that and we can do the sort of due diligence we need to, 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 to screen to confirm that there is a case pending, that type of thing. Uh, again, we aren't even confirming that the San Joaquin case is pending. Uh, again, I've heard of it. It's been described online. Supposedly, it was to go to trial this summer. I don't have any more information than that. And that's why we would like to be able to confirm that it actually went to trial. There was a postponement, uh, that type of thing. And, yes, it's, it's absolutely the case that the criminal standard of proof is going to mean that NationStar and any other service are going into, uh, uh, in this case, a kind of witness role in a criminal proceeding that they would have to prove a lot that they're not tasked with proving in this kind of civil litigation environment. I think the other notable aspect to them being a criminal witness is these institutional players, and I cannot emphasize this enough, they are the ones that are used to directing traffic. They are the ones that are used to calling the shots. They are the ones that sit on their laurels and are able to use the institutional machinery to their benefit. Here, they wouldn't be just taking second share. They would be taking a completely subordinate witness role in the criminal prosecution. Since, of course, the criminal prosecution, and rightly so, 
can only come from people's agents, which for the purpose of criminal prosecutions in the United States and the 50 states and, and, and other jurisdictions the United States controls, that will always take the form of government prosecutorial apparatus, so to speak, agents of the state who, on the behalf of the people, bring criminal charges against various entities and various individuals. One hopes when only warranted. I'm not sure. In fact, that's certainly not a discussion for this show, uh, when and how criminal prosecutions are warranted. I think it's safe to say that sometimes they're not warranted. Uh, But again, that's beyond the scope of this show. Uh, However, it is within the scope of the show to point out that Yes, these institutional players don't want to have to play, uh, you know, some major subordinate role in these cases. Uh, I appreciate you being with me again today, Bill. That's all the time we have for today. Neil will be back next week. And somebody give me that information. Thanks, Charles. Good, Good to be on with you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to The Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lines Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony, and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity.